I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror cult exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Tonight, we welcome an author and film festival runner Jason Davis to talk about the upcoming Madison-based zombie film festival, Dead Walk Fest. What made you want to do a zombie-related film festival after you've been involved, at least... I know you from the Madison Horror Film Festival uh, last year where you actually screened one of my films, Hole in the Wall. Um, this one's now a much more focused film festival. Uh, what is it that made you want to do this strictly zombie-related fair? Um, well, it actually it, uh, it started out as the Living Dead Film Festival and Willie Adkins of Breaking Fate Entertainment uh, part, was partnered with uh, another uh, organization and they started this festival in Chicago and it ran for a couple of years and then Willie doesn't like zombie films so he and the company he was partnered with was uh, not wanting to do it anymore so I just volunteered to take it over and I did it uh, the previous year last year in Chicago but I'm trying to get more of the stuff I do focused up here in Wisconsin so I figured, yeah, why not do it this year in Wisconsin, up here in Madison? Did you have a good uh, turnout for the one in Chicago when you did it previously? It's not found its right market in Chicago, so no. Why is that? You know, I think a lot of it was the location we're at. It was not an easy access location in Chicago. It was kind of in a rougher neighborhood. So I can understand why people wouldn't have uh, ventured out to that area. Especially to do a zombie, you know, all being all dressed up as zombies and doing all kinds of stuff. (laughs) Is that where Willie had most of his film festivals in that location? For two years, yes. We were finally out of that location for our uh, Chicago events. So I know he doesn't just do this one. What were some of the other festivals and how did you get involved with uh, helping him out with those festivals? Well, I founded the Chicago Horror Film Festival back in 2003, and in 2008 or 2009, he attended one of my film festivals as I had booked a band that he was managing, and uh, we met each other. He you know, wanted to get more involved with the festival. He really loved what I was doing with the Chicago Horror Film Festival, and I had another film festival at the time called the Indie Horror Film Festival that has its own troubled past. And he wanted to do something. He wanted to partner up with me with that, and he wanted to bring it out to DeKalb, Illinois. So we partnered up, and we brought that to DeKalb, and we had a lot of fun with that festival out there. And then we just started working together on more and more festivals. 
at these festivals, what was the majority of the content you were having? Were you, was it mostly independent guys? Were you trying to pull in some of the bigger names or how did you, was it, did you get your stuff from like without a and other stuff like that? Or how, yeah. how did you culminate some of the, the material that you had for these festivals? It was always uh, largely through without a box um, or people could just send in their films. We'd get some uh, Hollywood, uh, larger Hollywood types that are just sent them in by mail. They didn't seem to like uh, without a box, but they never seemed to pay attention to what the festivals were actually about. We'd get romance and other things sent to us, <laughs> Hollywood types. So uh, we actually got better submissions through without a box. And then as we moved on, to film freeway we've gotten even better submissions so yeah it's mainly through without a box we've always tried to stay independent i like to say that we're always trying to bring independent films to a mainstream audience that's cool i i've noticed in the past and this is just my own experience that without a box and maybe this is the reason why you were getting some of the better uh, submissions through them is that you have to go through so many hoops in order to just list your film on without a box that I'm sure that weeds out a lot of the really crappy films <laughs> that get put up on there. Actually without a box. No, you'd get a lot of quantity, but Interesting. Not a lot of quality. Uh, it was actually through film freeway that yes, the quantity has gone down considerably, but the quality of submissions has gone up considerably. That's it's interesting. It, it's making it harder and harder for us to actually whittle down the selections and picking just the ones that we show. Okay, because I was uh, I helped out uh, John Pata with his last Oshkosh Horror Film Festival, and since he had opened it up, because he never charged at all for the film festivals that he ran, um, and he ran them through Film Freeway, he noticed that Film Freeway made things so easy that he was getting some of the problems that you see, uh, you were talking about seeing how you were getting non-genre films, submitting mm. film festivals, and he was he was just inundated with so much content, and that's not necessarily quality content, that's just content in general, that uh, he, he found it, that he would have rather had it, it be a little more limiting than it was, but you've actually had pretty good uh, experience and, with with uh, Film Freeway. And it goes back to something you just said is, and I, when I first started doing festivals back in 2003, I didn't like to charge, you know, filmmakers. I pretty much tried to make it so that they could submit for free. And I did all these things. And I found that you get so much just anything sent to you that by actually having a fee and I hated doing it. Yeah. I, I also didn't like doing awards. I didn't like doing any of these things that I felt like all these other festivals did. Um, but by doing, having a fee, it actually helps to kind of weed out and it makes the filmmakers be a little more selective on what they submit to you. Right. It's, it's the same way with anything. If, if you're really serious about it, you'll plunk the money down for it uh the the problem is at least in my experience with the films that i've made and been put out is that 
it, that's a whole nother aspect to your budget you have to put into context yeah. is the film festivals to, to actually pay for them. And the vast majority of them have agendas of their own and you'll be spending all that money. And a lot of them have already pre selected what they want. And if they haven't heard of your film, they're just taking your money and running. And I've heard I've heard of places doing that. I've been accused of doing that in the past, and I I haven't. But I've I've heard of other festivals doing that. Yeah. Um, I I would say the one thing any filmmaker out there should always think about doing is emailing the festival and saying, "Hey, we submit to all these other festivals. Will you be able to offer us a waiver?" And ninety nine percent of the time, I'm you know I'll say yeah, you know I'll send them a waiver or you know. I'll say, hey, let me take a look at it, see if it's even something we'd be considering, you know, consider. And then if it is, then I'd say, yeah, here's the waiver. So, and, you know, yeah, just email the film festival. And if they're a pretty decent film festival, they're going to be pretty good to work with you, in my opinion. Have you had pretty good responses from the filmmakers that you've been involved with with the festivals? Some good, some bad. Some, (laughs) you know, you know. (laughs) Well, I mean, you that's a whole nother story that I'm, I will not, I will not go down that road to talk about, <laughs> but <laughs> I love every filmmaker out there. They, they put so much heart into it. Um, I used to be a filmmaker myself. So, but <laughs> you know, you get some interesting stories that come out of it that, you know, you have, there's always funny people out there. Well, of course, of course. Well, especially in micro budget in Indian mm-hmm. Uh, films that I mean most of these projects are fueled by passion alone yes so the egos are are pretty fragile and when they don't get in the festivals I've heard horror stories horror stories and uh, and that leads me to want to ask you what drives you to actually curate and start film festivals what made you want to do this um well Actually, when I first started out, it, I wanted to really just highlight and really push short films. I being a, I was coming just out of film school. I was making short films of my own, and I had this huge naive goal that I was going to create this in a short film industry of making them very popular, getting them out there and selling DVDs of short film anthologies, and just that was going to be my. Uh, big ambition was just to push and in fact the first couple years of the uh, Chicago Horror Film Festival I would not accept a feature film it was just that's just where I've what got me started was that and basically I was uh, in college me and a few friends were talking and there weren't too many horror film festivals out there and we really wanted to put something together to really highlight this genre in the Chicago area so that way people could want uh, come and watch horror films in this area it just the region alone there's not a lot of horror film festivals is that why you kind of decided to bring it up to wisconsin well sadly no it was because i moved to wisconsin just and uh it just followed me <laughs> did you move up here for work uh no i actually moved up here for uh children and edu- uh, better education so nice better school system <laughs> this is uh this is a good place to raise kids but it's a pretty barren place for, for horror and horror films. Yeah. What has yeah. been your experience so far with the festivals here? Uh, well, we only did last year. And so far, you know, it had a great reception for a first year festival. Um, 
And this year, I think already we're having a good reception for Dead Walk Fest. I, I, I think people really enjoy them. I think uh, the more the word gets out about them, I think people will really enjoy coming out to them. Yeah, unfortunately, the festivals that were present here in Wisconsin usually only last a couple years because interest kind of like fizzles out. It's unfortunate. There was like probably about five years ago, there was a bunch of them and they've all kind of gone away now. All I know about are the few that you're running now, the uh, Madison Horror Film Festival and the Dead Walk Fest. And now uh, my buds up in Oshkosh kind of took over the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival and they're doing the new fest, the Northeast Wisconsin uh, Horror Film Fest in October. So you guys are really the only ones that are still doing this. And I, I I saw that they were doing something up there. I didn't realize it was the same guys that did the Oshkosh. I thought it was just a another group. But yeah, that's awesome. So, but yeah, yeah. it's a lot of the guys that behind the scenes were doing it. John Pat is not involved with this anymore because he was the spearhead behind the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival. But now some of the guys that were behind the scenes on that, um, which I was involved with as well, um, they've taken the mantle over. And it's still going to be at the Time Cinema in downtown Oshkosh. So it's kind of exciting. But I think they're they're holding a, a lot of the same cards that the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival did. Um, so it, it's good to see that live on. And I'm glad in Madison that you've kind of taken over the Madison Horror Film Festival um, because uh, Rich Freaky from the Bordello of Horror was running that for so long. How did you get uh, did you get into contact with him? Uh, was was that kind of a joint thing or how did that come about? Well, it actually um, he contacted me back before he started Madison Horror Film Festival. Uh, he contacted me because I was doing the Chicago Horror Film Festival and was asking me just questions about, he wanted to do this horror film festival in Madison. What did he need to do to get it up and running? And so I just kind of, you know, gave him some uh, simple advice, you know, find a theater, find some films, find some friends to come out and watch them. So, you know, just simple, basic, you know, just, you know, keep your head up and, you know, don't, you know, go too crazy and you should have many years of, you know, showing films. And yeah, we just kind of kept in contact. And then uh, he, a couple years ago, had said that he was getting too busy and that he uh, was wondering if, you know, somebody might be willing to take over the festival. And at the time I wasn't in the area yet. And then just last year I was in the area and well, actually the year before that I was in the area and it was too close to Halloween to actually pull something together that last minute. Mm -hmm. But I said, yeah, let's uh, do something for next year. And I just kind of started to get the ball rolling. Um, and then last year, you know, we were working together on it. And then he just came down sick. So he wasn't able to really show up at the event because he was dealing with some health issues. But that's just kind of how we got from there to here. <laughs> That's cool. Now, I know uh, Freaky was trying to pull together a bunch of like named celebrities and guests to bring into his festivals. Are you looking to kind of continue that tradition or are you just wanting to strictly focus on the films? I've always been films first. I focus on finding great films. And then if I can talk to a guest here or there and try to bring them out, I work with them and see what we can do, but I don't go after, you know, big name guests. Uh, it's 
kind of how I've seen many festivals come and fall is they over budget themselves mm -hmm. and spend too much on bringing in these guests and then the people don't come out to support it. So I've always put the films first. I love to focus on getting, you know, people out to support these independent films and watch these great films. And yeah, I've always kind of put celebrities on the back burner and when we can bring them out, we can, but if it's not in the budget, I don't sweat it. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you I think a lot of people don't realize how much it costs to even get some lower level people out there because you got to fly them in. You got to you got to book them a hotel. You got to feed them. Then they then yeah. most of some of them will have fees to just sit there and be there. Mm -hmm. and, and for a small film festival in uh, in Wisconsin in southern Wisconsin or anywhere in Wisconsin. Um, it's tough to just get a, a crowd out to these things in general. How was you? You said that uh, you you did pretty well. What would you say? Um, do you, do you think uh, the Dead Walk Fest? Are you starting to do pretty well with uh, ticket sales and stuff like that? You looking a? Are you seeing a good uh, turnout well, so far? Well, what I did differently this time, and it's a different way of I've ever done this before. In the past, I always put the advanced ticket sales at a cheaper price than the day of ticket sales in the way to try to drive advanced sales. But I always felt like, well, then you got to cut it off at the time of the festival because it's called advanced ticket sales. Right. So instead of thinking of it as an advanced ticket sales this time, I actually put it at the same price as what it would be at the door. And it's just a way of allowing them to pay by credit card in advance. That way they know for sure they have, a you know, it doesn't sell out and they can get in the door. Sure. And because of that, you know, we're getting a decent amount of ticket, pre-advanced ticket sales, but it's not been as high as it has been in the past. But now we got a lot of people really looking at the uh, videos we have online and a lot of people checking out the trailers much more than I have in the past. So, yeah, I think things are going good. That's great. It's it's good to have that option now with websites for film festivals for people that are interested. You have your social media sites that can direct you to the webs, uh, web page, but to have trailers or snippets of films so people know what kind of content you're actually going to be showing. I think that's huge. Is that kind of, uh, have you noticed a difference in attendance uh, with the advent of this kind of thing? Um, well, I've been doing that for a long time since probably back in 2008, I think, is when I first did my first uh, YouTube playlist of trailers. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 I think I noticed a huge nine day difference back then from when I started doing it than the previous year where people would come out and say, wow, yeah, we got a chance to watch the trailer. We saw this. And, yeah, we, you know, so I think it helps quite a bit. That's cool. So when you're pulling together, you're getting all these films from uh, Film Freeway and Without a Box and all this stuff. When when you're sitting down, is it just you that's looking through this or do you have a panel of people that are looking through the films? Uh, we have uh, quite a few different people. Our, uh, of course, our hostess, Erica Brown, she was one of the ones who watched many of the films. Uh, Patty Rhea, she's a great uh friend of mine she's been helping watching many of the films uh she's probably going to kill me as i called her a friend and not my fiance uh, but uh you're gonna be sleeping on the couch tonight probably yes uh but then also mark the movie man he's also uh, been one of the judges i'm sure many of your audience knows him so <laughs> <laughs> he has uh, been on a couple shows just a couple 
Yeah. So, and he's actually, he's been a great help. He, uh, I, I listened to his advice quite a bit on many of the films, uh, and is, yeah, pretty much my go-to guy when it comes to figuring out which are the best films to pick and everything. So, cause I don't always trust my own opinion as I'm told that I pick some pretty crappy movies sometimes. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> so, Though so, with his howling reference, how how much he loves that one howling film, um, yeah, I question how his taste can be sometimes. <laughs> what was it, Howling Seven? He was a big fan of, yeah. Oh, but. so am I, dude. I mean, let's let's not let's not go down that rabbit hole. Howling Seven is is quote unquote a masterpiece. <laughs> I still don't think I've made it all the way through the movie. <laughs> I think you're with the majority of people, the vast majority of people. Yeah. So um, what, when you're looking at the dead walk fest, how broad of a canvas are you a painting here for what's considered a zombie film? Cause nowadays there are so many different sub genres, even within the zombie genre that, um, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what exactly a zombie film is anymore. Is it infected people? Is it people that are well, possessed? Is it, is it traditional Romero type zombies? Is it the, the Haitian voodoo zombies? Like what kind of zombie films do you mostly try and focus on with this festival? Whenever I do a festival, I always try to find something for everyone that is going to be there. So when I do a zombie festival, I'm going to include, I'm going to try to find all the different types of zombie films that I can. I can't think of any other films off the top of my head that would be an infected zombie film in this festival, but that wasn't by choice. Uh, well, I guess it was by choice, but it wasn't by <laughs> not of lack of looking. It's just that we didn't really get too many that would fall into that category. Yeah, we have a wide variety. It's just, you know. I, I gotta say, it seems like uh, we have at least two Aussie zombie films, and oh, I love how they make their zombie films. I've I love how they make their bad. movies in general. Their movies yeah. in general are just batshit crazy. Uh, I think there's one line in one of the films that just really struck with me. It was uh, they're in Australia and they're talking about there's one of the it's the talking and one of the talking zombie films, and. The guy's like, they're zombies. They're going to try to eat you. And then the other guy's like, it's Australia. Everything's trying to eat you. <laughs> of course. Well, I'm, I'm kind of glad to see maybe so, maybe the infected subgenre is kind of dying off because that was a big thing for a little while. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think we're getting more right now. Everything goes in phases, and it really feels like right now everything's kind of reverting back to the Romero-esque zombie film, the Fulci, you know, more traditional zombies. The slower walking. Yeah. Yeah. And you you think maybe Walking Dead is attributing to that a little bit? I think so, because of their popularity and how it's gone for such a long time, that and Z Nation. So, and I think the failure of World War Z in theaters kind of really helped as well. So. Surprisingly, I have not seen that movie yet. It's not worth seeing. Okay, then I I won't. I'll continue not seeing that movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it, no. What What would you consider your all time favorite zombie movie? 
Um, I actually, my favorite's always been Day of the Dead. So nice. I I, I love the uh, just. There's a whole just hopelessness to the film that just I really feel like that's more the actual you know evil of the film than the zombies themselves just it just how it all just you can feel the claustrophobia in all parts of that film mm-hmm. and the and like you said the despair and hopelessness of the situation the people even though they're grasping at straws to try and figure out some way to control and maybe uh solve the situation that they're in ultimately some of the people realize you know what this is it we're it it's done yeah uh as a second favorite and this will give a shout out to one of the films i showed at last year's zombie uh, dead walk fest if you ever get a chance to see the film say what check it out it's still one of my favorites and makes me laugh every time i see it cool cool so what are some of the the movies that you're going to be highlighting and showing at this dead walk fest that you want to let people know about uh well obviously the one we were just talking about just a second ago brainless killers that's the uh, one of the aussie films uh the other one is me my me and my mates versus the zombie apocalypse i always have fun trying to say the title (laughs) uh that one is another one that's pretty awesome it's the aussie uh bunch of mates you know trying to survive I gotta say, I love the opening scene as the guy's just driving down the road on a uh, lawnmower, runs over a zombie, just keeps on going. So, just sets up the film for a nice pace. That's a feature film. Um, For a few zombie more is a great um, post-apocalyptic, but yet throwback to westerns as it it just has a good feel to it with the writing where it's very funny. It has the girl with no name. It has the uh, roaming uh, stranger who is out searching for a laser disc player because his got ruined. <laughs> and he used to work in a blockbuster, which was a zombie of its own time. <laughs> it's just a great comedy uh, zombie film. And, um, yeah, there's, let's see, what other ones do we got? We have uh, Easy Peasy, which is a nice, uh, interesting take on the post-apocalyptic zombie film with uh, where they've kind of got things under control, and it's how people capitalize off of it. And, uh, of course, there's this real standout feature film, I Am Alone. It's about this survivalist who's going off into the woods to shoot his... Uh, his own uh, travel documentary. And as he is out there, he is becoming a zombie. And so he's documenting his own change to becoming a, a zombie without realizing what's going on. Mm. Why don't you let the people know where they can go in order to get tickets um, where and where the festival is going to be and when it's going to be? Well, uh, you can go to deadwalkfest.com. They'll have tickets on sale for $8 for the whole day. Um, And then the festival takes place June 11th at Marcus Square Cinema. And we start the day at noon. And it's a rough guess as to when we'll be done. So you just kind of don't you usually have to schedule out uh, your your day pretty strictly? We we might have overscheduled a few films. (laughs) Good for you. 
Well, we're trying to slip in. We're going to try to uh, show uh, cap the night off with showing Night of the Living Dead if oh, we have awesome. enough time. Yeah. So, you know, we, we can't guarantee that we're going to have enough time to uh, show it, but we want to end the day with uh, Night of the Living Dead. That's but, enough yeah. to get me out there, man. I'll tell you. Yeah, I, I just thought it'd be fun. And, you know, it's not like the rights are kind of just out there that, you know, anybody can show it anywhere. So we figured we'd uh, go ahead and show it and give people a treat to come out and see it. Well, folks, you definitely need to get out there and go help and support this festival, especially if you're in the Wisconsin area. You don't get very many opportunities to go out there and see genuine underground cinema played at it's a pretty decent theater in uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, definitely go check out the website. Go get some tickets. There's a Facebook page, uh, Dead Walk Fest, and you're on Twitter at Dead Walk Fest, correct? Correct. Cool. Is there any other um, ways that they can contact you about this? Uh, they can email me at jason at breakingfate.com. That's my uh, direct email address, so... If anyone has any questions, just shoot me an email. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, YouTube, and anywhere that podcasts are found. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and email us questions, concerns, or just general chatter at astroradiozpodcast at gmail.com. Coming from me, Derek Carey, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. So now that we've gotten the Dead Walk Fest talk out of the way, you are also a horror author yourself. Would you like to tell us a little bit about uh, how did you get involved with uh, becoming an author after you decided to, you went to school for film in that you were trying to make films. What made you want to become an author? Um, I would always say that I was an author first and and tried to be filmmaker second. Um, I started out as an author. The earliest stories I could say would be from the age of probably 13. Uh, My parents actually got me a typewriter. Yes, I was that old school. Uh, This was before computers uh, were in everyone's household. And uh, they actually got me a typewriter for Christmas one year. And I'd be waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning and just start pounding out these little short stories every day and just kind of kept pounding them out. And I don't know why, but eventually I went away from using the typewriter and actually just fill up notepads and notepads of paper and uh, just writing stories. And they just kept getting longer and longer. And um, then when I was getting out of college and I was getting ready to go to, I mean, getting out of high school and getting ready to go to college, I started out as an English education major and partway through junior college, I took this uh, film class and had a lot of fun in the class. And I'd had some film classes in high school and I loved it then too. And I thought, well, why don't I take 
writing, which I love to do, and take movies, which I love to watch, and go to film school and actually try to become a filmmaker. So and that's basically how I got started into it, at least. And I think just getting more and more frustration with not making the films how I wanted to make them, I kind of reverted back to, well, let me just go back and write the stories how I want to tell them. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Was it always horror that you were involved with, or did you write other type of genres and other type of things? It was horror. I'm now getting into where I'm spreading out. I just wrote uh, and released my first uh, sci-fi story uh, this last week, uh, Free Fall. It's the first part of a series. <clears throat> but outside of that, I've always been in the horror genre. It's just what always comes easy. What were the authors or what was the stuff that was uh, inspiring you to make you try and create uh, horror stories or horror films or any of that stuff? Um, Pretty much I stayed heavily with Stephen King, Dean Koontz. Growing up, that I was always devouring those. Um, I most notably remember these books that I checked out of the library that were the the universal horror movies told through like uh, these uh, books that were uh, just like picture of the movie and then it'd give a brief description. And I just burned through those and those were a huge inspiration as well. Um, and then of course the Fair Street novels back when I was still in you know, grade school and high school and Goosebumps and yeah. That was my progression. Fair Street, Fair Street, Stephen King, Dean Koontz. So <laughs> interesting. I see. I never started with uh, when I was young. For some reason, my mom allowed me to jump straight in Stephen King books <laughs> instead of jump like kind of working my way up from lighter fare. I, I I jumped head first into like Night Shift. Um, <laughs> were, were you more interested in the short form stuff or uh, novels when you first started reading that kind of content? Uh, it was mainly the novels. I really, uh, I remember the first book I read of his was The Shining, which to this day has always been the one I've always had disliked the most. I just could never get my way all the way through the book. It always bored the hell, hell out of me. I'm the but, same way. I exact same way. But then I went on and uh, start, I think I read the Tommyknockers next and then Salem's Lot. And for some reason, even though everyone hates the Tommyknockers, maybe it was because I also love sci-fi and horror, but the Tommyknockers was the book that resonated the most with me and got me to start reading almost all uh, the rest of his books. I always seem to like the ones that everyone else hates the most. <laughs> There's nothing. Hey, somebody's got to love some of that stuff, man. What have you thought about some of the film adaptations of some of his work? Well, there are some good ones. I mean, 1408 was just creepy as all hell. John Cusack did a great job with that. I'm looking forward to Cell as that's getting ready to come out. Under the Dome was terrible. One of my favorites was always The Stand, the six-part or the four-part TV adaption. I loved that, um, as well as the TV adaption of It. In fact, I remember when I first saw it as a you know teenager watching that and just getting you know, creeped out my ever living gourd trying to watch that. 
I have that on VHS. I've tried to watch that uh, just this last year. And uh, some of those sections, it's Tim Curry makes that film. He does. And they're going to have a hard time trying to replace him in the remake. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm hoping with with the remake, they they tighten it up a little bit because I thought the film, uh, because it's a TV, it was a miniseries. It just lingered a little bit longer than it needed to. You know, I felt like the first half was great. And every time I watch it, I make it through the first half. But once it gets to when they're adults, it just none of it feels like it clicks right that I actually will sometimes stop watching it in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. In in some of the acting's a bit spotty here and there, but I, I, I have a feeling if of anything that's been adapted so far that could use a really cool remake. And I think they could do it pretty well if they do it right. It's just hard to replace Tim Curry. Well, that's for damn sure, man. I mean, (laughs) he is, think about that guy's career, man. He was Frankenfurter. He played the devil. He was in Clue. He played Pennywise. (laughs) This guy was in so many iconic and cool roles and movies. It's unbelievable. And sadly, I, I've, I remember this one meme about Tim Curry, and it is, you will always, I judge you on what film you know Tim Curry from. And I always think about how the movie I always think of the most with him is one that almost nobody's ever heard of, and something I'm probably ashamed to admit that I've even seen. So, and it's just this really cheesy 80s movie that was, uh, you know, for kids called The Worst Witch. I have, in fact, never seen that. You're probably lucky. It's (laughs) Rusa Balk and Tim Curry together. Yep. Did that ever make a like a DVD release or is that one of those one time deals on TV? One time deal. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm sure it's out there. I bet you if you you scoured Cinemageddon, I'm sure it's on there somewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it is. (laughs) I've never looked for it. (laughs) So why don't let's, let's go ahead. Let's talk about some of uh, the novels that you've Mm self-published. What kind of books uh, do you tend to write now uh, that you're trying to actually put your books out there? Well, I have three novels and a bunch of short stories, all of them available through Amazon. Uh, the novel is available in print, Kindle, and audiobook. The short stories available in Kindle and audiobook. Um, the novels, it gets a little confusing to t- kind of talk about because I have two different trilogies running, but they overlap each other. So I have my Robileto trilogy, which is I'm currently wrapping up writing book two of that now. And then my other is the Invisible Spiders trilogy, which the first two books are available. The third book I can't write until this next book comes out of the Aletto series because of certain things that happen to that character need to happen in that book before he can go on to that other book. Oh, so all of the the different series are intertwined? Yeah. Cool. So, and how I, it's a bad reference, and I know Mark would probably kill me for this, but if you think of like the Marvel Universe, the, <laughs> the, uh, Aletto series would be like the Captain America films, and then the Invisible Spiders are kind of like the Avenger films, where it brings more of an ensemble. And it le- the Invisible Spider series, I call that my pre-apocalyptic zombie series. 
So when the third book ends, the apocalypse begins. Oh, so you're just building up to it right now. Right. And then the third book in the Aletto series will actually be the first book in the apocalypse. So the, what is the overall story arc that's okay. going on with all this? Well, I can't give away everything because then, you know. Well, let's give us the, give, give but, my listeners the elevator pitch. What's the elevator yeah. pitch for this series? Spiders that eat you from the inside out, leaving you as zombies. And you can only see the spiders once you're infected by them. So is it a, is it a metaphor for microbes? What What is going on here? Well, uh, there's a hint to it that it might be a demon curse, but that might be giving away too much. <laughs> you got to reel them in somehow, Jason. Oh, yeah. Well, if, think of it this way. Think of that little feeling that you get on your arm as you're trying to just read a book or you're just kind of doing something. You just feel that little tingle on your arm or on the back of your neck. Well, what if that's actually a spider gain under your skin to eat you and turn, leave you as a zombie? Where can people go to get your books? Uh, well, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere that books are available, you can get them. What would be the best starting point? Is it uh, what, what book do you want people to start uh, if they want to go in and get into this series? What is the first one they should pick up? I believe that they should read actually the latest book and then go back. But I've had people that have reviewed the books have actually liked reading the first book in the Aletto series, which is actually, uh, like I said, that series is different. That is his series that deals with ghosts, demons, and everything else. And that is uh, Inside the Mirrors. If you, I would suggest reading Caught in the Web, really get yourself hooked into everything and then go back and read the stuff that takes place before that book. Caught in the Web is my favorite. 